Welcome to Different From The Other Kids, a weekly talk show for parents with challenging children with host Angela Sunis, a parent whose teen was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Each episode, Angela will have a discussion with an individual or professional within the mental health community. Different from the other kids, season one, a production of Marketing Maven. Hi everyone, welcome to Different from the Other Kids. This week, I'd like to welcome Christina. Thanks very much for coming in, Christy. I appreciate your help and uh, your thoughts on things. What we wanted to talk about today, if we could, from your perspective, Chrissy, how it is that you manage your life uh, with this, from medication, through therapy, some other things. One thing I want to talk a little bit more at length about is uh, fitness, because I know that fitness is really, for you in particular, uh, for many in general, a medicine, and when you don't work out, you get worse, you lose energy, and your illness really gains strength. And uh, I see your whole self get brighter when it is that you're physically active. So let's start from the beginning then and backtrack here just a little bit. And let's go to um, medication, how important it is as to when you take it, how often you take it. And, of course, you have to take it. So, uh, okay, give me your thoughts on that, please. Okay, so I have always been really good about my medication. I know for some people it's extremely difficult, and I understand 100% why. Um, a lot of the time you don't feel like yourself on your meds. It can make you feel a little spacey, a little feel like you're out of, an out-of-body experience. But I know how important it is to take them. They are the things that keep you sane. A lot of the time I think about not only myself, but the uh, people around me who love me and care about me. They're what keep me going. Uh, imagine if I wasn't taking my medication right now, how hard would this be on my family? And that's just a little step, a little tool that you could use to help explain to people that you can't be selfish with it. You have to realize that although you're trying to save yourself, you're also saving the people that you care about around you. To have a successful relationship, to have a successful uh, relationship with your parents, um, with your siblings, with your friends, with your co-workers, with anybody, um, taking your medication is number one. Taking it at the same time is huge. The more consistent you can be with it, the better it'll work. It's meant to be taken at the same time every day either whether it's morning, whether it's night, whether it's two times a day, whether it's three times a day, take it at the same time each day. I mean, half an hour, not a big deal, but it needs to be within that half an hour. Keep it with you. Keep an extra container with you in your car or wherever you're going so you know you have it. Set an alarm. I've set alarms tens of times to remind myself to take it before I go to bed. I've ne- I think I've missed one medication once just because I completely forgot that other than that, that has never happened to me. I've never not once taken my medication. And that one time I didn't take it was the worst next day of my entire life. Awful. Yeah, uh, Christina is excellent at taking her medication. I think it's probably the most important thing that she can do for herself. And from the very beginning, she knew that and has always been very, very diligent about it. As a parent, I would have to say, uh, just make sure that you listen, especially if they're going on a new drug regimen. We had to start one just about a year ago. As things started to uh, disintegrate for Christina, she was having a difficult time. We had to start some new ones. I went through a few, again, uh, other than the the original diagnosis. And you got to really listen and pay attention to how they're reacting, what it is that they're describing, they're feeling like. That's really important for the psychiatrist to know. I went with Christina, I've been going regularly with her to the psychiatrist for the, they call it 
pharmacological, I guess, consulting. And she was asking me to come initially because she was having a hard time. So she wanted me there anyway because it's, it's a busy environment. We ended up having to go to the hospital, to the outpatient clinic, which is not really regular, but she had turned 18 in the time that she was really doing well for about an 18-month period of time and was uh, medicated and very stable. And then she was on the waiting list to get into a psychiatrist, an adult psychiatrist, when uh, she was crashing. So we ended up having to go in to see a psychiatrist there, which was in the hospital, a very busy environment, a lot to take in, not knowing where she's going. So I went with her and I just continued. I think you'd agree that it was probably good as it was as important for me to be there to describe your behavior and what was happening with with the meds as it was enough as it was for you to describe it right oh absolutely it's you need that outside opinion sometimes because you get wrapped up in it yourself that you're going to miss things of even oh yeah you were a little manic there and I'm like really I was like I didn't even notice so it's good for the parents to make sure that they do keep an eye on what's going on and kind of how they're feeling and kind of know what what personality they almost have when Mm -hmm they're switching meds or just day-to-day if something's off or whatever, then you can report back to the psychiatrist and that'll be really helpful for them. I think it's really important for the psychiatrist as well because they get a full picture. I bet you, we actually have been very fortunate in that we haven't had to go through a ton of medications for a long period of time to really figure out what was working and what wasn't. I think it has a lot to do with getting both perspectives, mm-hmm. um, what it was that Christina was experiencing as well as what I was seeing, what I was worried about. She recounted things because she's in a difficult state at times that to me weren't quite true. And she wasn't meaning to not be truthful. That was her recollection. And my recollection was different. Mm-hmm. So I think it really helped him. We've had some, so I think we've had better results than most people For sure. with being able Teamwork. to, yeah, hitting it with a little bit of tea. Okay, well, I guess we covered the uh, medication aspect of things. How about the importance of having therapy, somebody to talk to? Oh, my God. Therapy, 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 therapy. If you can find a good counselor or therapist, it will help tremendously. There's a lot of things that your children can't talk to you about, whether it be private things or things they just really don't feel comfortable talking to you about. But they are, no matter how young they are, they are still their own individual and will struggle with their own individual things that they may not feel comfortable sharing with you. Having that outside person's perspective is huge. They can coach you through things. She's helped me with so many coping skills. I've been seeing her for eight years now and like the stuff that I've learned from her. And just have, it's having someone else there that gets it. They deal with it on a daily basis all the time. So having that perspective from someone that will understand it a little bit better than most other people will. Still not to the full extent, of course, but they do empathize and really try to understand and have done lots of research on it and lots of everything that they can know about it, they know. I think it's great, too, for family counseling. I know my mom stepped into a session, a couple sessions with my therapist and I, just to talk about some things, because there are times where there is a, it's hard between the parents and the bipolar child because... The parents are trying to tell the kid to do one thing, the kid wants to do another thing, or they're just not understanding each other, the parent's not understanding how the child feels, the child's not feeling how, understanding how the parent feels. So having that extra outside person kind of talk it through and kind of go, well, this is what she's saying, this is what he's saying, this is what she's saying, really, really helps. Making sure that it's regular is another huge thing. I know that there have been times where I haven't had an appointment booked, and it's an emergency, all of a sudden something comes up, and I could have seen her that week, but I don't have an appointment, right? So it gets... My therapist, luckily for me, is very good and 
has emergency spots available. She keeps that on her calendar, but not all counselors do that. So having the regular appointments is huge. When you need to see them weekly, see them weekly. When you need to see them bi-weekly, see them bi-weekly. But make sure that there is a schedule in place because they are your crisis. They're, they're your go-to crisis person at uh, that point. For From a parenting perspective, having the right counselor for your youth or child, young adult, whatever it happens to be, is integral. Just when you get really tired of trying to teach some of the coping mechanisms and I don't do it near as well as, as Leanna can do it at all. There's also a new voice there. Uh, there's a voice that she knows for sure is on her side, that there is no other agenda as a parent to try and get her to do something different. It's all about her all the time. And the skills that she has taught her from structure to timing of things to overload to... Uh, dealing with uh, certain personalities, uh, almost any and everything that you can think of that there is no rule book written for in life, Leanna has taught Christina some strategy for. How to for. deal with your triggers. Sorry? How to deal with your triggers. Oh, yeah, that's, that is gigantic for uh, this population, is the triggers, figuring out what they are, how to deal with them. Figuring out what they are. Figuring, figuring out what they are, that's the biggest thing, because when you, you want to avoid the triggers, you need to know what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and triggers are everywhere, and it can be, uh, it's a layered process. Yeah. It can be the smallest thing. Yeah, and it's a layered process to try and figure out what it is, and that's it's a great skill that your therapist will, will have to be able to uh, pull that out of your child. Uh, this particular therapist, and I don't know if other people have had this, I know I'm very fortunate, I feel like I've won the lottery at times, has actually allowed me to have some conversation with her as far as a little bit of uh, coaching at times is concerned when Christina's been going through a, an especially difficult time. I know there have been times that I have just texted her, and I'm sure it's nothing but a rant. I'm not actually asking her for anything. A rant of, I'm scared to death. A rant of, uh, how do I get her moving? Um, a rant of, I don't know if I can do this anymore, is what it is that she's listened to on the other side. And as Christina says, uh, it's having somebody on the other side. She's never betrayed Christina in any way because we really have very little conversation, the two of us. But she is uh, a lifeline, really, for both of us. I know when Christina's going through a hard time, if she's not able to reach out to her or if she needs a hand to, I will, I will get a response uh, from her looking for an appointment or, you know, yes, maybe it is time to take her to the hospital or have you, you know, have you tried this? Uh, whether it's from going to a walk to, to whatever it happens to be, which she usually won't really come up with too much to do with the medication, but it's usually, it's all the stuff with coping, walking, working out, doing all that stuff, and she just kind of holds my head together at different times, and I know she does for you too, yeah. Okay, so I'm thinking, how about, okay, if you were to, other than those two, if you were to take on one more thing that you would say is, is the, is the very top of your list for how you would keep your symptomology down and how you keep your head straight, what would it be? There's a couple things. Number one would definitely be fitness and exercise, living a healthy lifestyle. Not only is there a lot of chemical stuff that goes on when you work out, it's been 100% scientifically proven. I'm not going to go into that because I don't want to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But I know how it makes me feel, and I know the difference in when I'm vigorously working out, when I'm lightly working out, and when I'm not working out at all. The lightly working out, I feel good, 100%, stable, really good, 
but when I'm vigorously working out, I feel completely myself. Amazing. When I was uh, heavily weight training, I was at the gym probably an hour and a half to two hours a day vigorously. I was so stable. I can't express that enough. My mood was good. I was happy, but not too happy. And I never was really sad. There would be a day where I'd miss a workout and I would, I wouldn't feel great, but I wouldn't feel terrible. But if I missed two days, I would feel absolutely awful. So there is a happy medium, right? Like I was also going to be a personal trainer. I wanted to compete my first show and now I'm on the more lightly working out, which is why I'm glad I found a job that where I'm working right now is extremely physical, which is also keeping my mood extremely stable. So if you can find something where you're working, whether it's your job or an after school activity or an after work activity, anything, even going for a 30 minute walk, brisk walk, that every day, that will make a huge difference in your mood and nutrition, eating well, cutting out all the simple sugars, lots of vegetables, lots of clean meats, lots of fish, beans, all that stuff. I would definitely, definitely educate yourself on uh, healthy eating and educate yourself on some exercise. The best thing my mom ever did for me was get me a personal trainer who uh, really, really helped me be able to teach me the ways of how to work out properly and safely um, because if you're not going to be doing it right, there's no point on doing it. You're not going to get the benefits of the workout that you want, and uh, I believe 100% that vigorously working out will change your state completely. Oh, one more thing I wanted yeah, to say. Go. For a lot of bipolar people, like I've only met a few. Um, I actually haven't had the Pri privilege. privilege. I'm going to say privilege because <laughs> okay, it's good. a privilege to meet other people okay. that are like me. Yeah. But I've noticed a lot that there is a lack of confidence. There's a lack of self-esteem just because I really do think that a lot of you guys think that you're less than other people and that you deal with stuff differently than other people and that you don't think people get you and that because you have this illness that you're not worth anything. And I think that's a lot of the time where people get cycled down into depression and you actually feel sorry for yourself. I've been there a hundred times. But what you have to realize is you have to look, look at it as a gift because no one will feel the, the way, the, feel the good things in life the way you do. There are ups to this, there are downs to this, but it is what it is, and you have to look at it as a gift because it makes you completely different than anybody else in a good way, a bad way, but I think in a really great way. And through fitness and physical activity, your confidence will go up, which will just make you happier. And honestly, I found the biggest difference was in my confidence, which actually made me more stable. Okay, great. That's great. Thanks, Chrissy. I know from um, the parenting end of things with the fitness what we had to kind of start with was the walking, and then we graduated to going to the gym. I think you started to do a couple classes. Mm -hmm. I've always been very physically active. I myself have been, used to be a personal trainer and a fitness instructor, not so much in the last few years. been injured and not able to do as much as I would like, but that's a whole other story. But I came from that background for many years as the kids were growing up is when I was involved in that as a as a little part-time career. So it was natural for me to get Christina into the gym and to get the other guys into the gym. Uh, when I found that she was really struggling and she was pretty heavy at the time, I wanted her not only to get the motivation from having somebody there and the uh, camaraderie of having someone there, but also somebody that knew what they were talking about to teach proper form. I believe that everyone should learn those basics. Those, th those basics. Every single kid should learn them. Uh, it should be actually uh, in part of the curriculum at one point or another of how is it that you actually 
perform a weight workout without hurting yourself, what cardiovascular activity is, what heart rate is, different kinds of cardiovascular activity, all those kinds of things are really things that we should be teaching in schools and we don't. So I got Christine into the gym, tried to get her into some classes, and then went to the expense of getting a personal trainer for, well, each of my kids. Uh, but Christina had hers for probably double the time Six of the months. other guys, yeah. Just because she needed it, just because she needed a, a bit more of a hand. When it comes to the nutrition, uh, once again, I think we're in a lucky position because I knew a lot about it because of the background of which I was coming from. Always been involved in sports and things like that. And nutrition is a tough one. Nutrition is hard to uh, learn, but there are some really basic elements that uh, that you can integrate into your life that make really great differences to anybody's mental health, but especially to somebody who has chemical difficulties. As a parent, what you can do to help is get in the right groceries. Ask them what it is that they need for their regimen. Help them prepare it. Make sure that you have stuff, if at all possible, cut up and cleaned and ready for them to utilize. Because chances are they're, they're hitting a bit of overwhelm while they're going through this transition to try and figure all this stuff out. So as a parent, I think that that's really important that you need to know you've got to jump in a little bit in order to support and to, in order to, to help. Sorry, Christy. I just wanted to say on that note of for the personal training, um, if you can afford it, absolutely, 100%. But I do know that there are a lot of other gyms that do offer starter packages of personal training, do offer orientations, different types of stuff, and uh, get them into some classes, definitely. There are always, always, always alternatives to that so don't just think that it's not just personal if you mm-hmm. can't have personal training you can't work out there's tons and tons of stuff that they could do mm-hmm. and as well I think if you uh, check out the internet if it is that you know you're in a situation that you certainly couldn't afford a personal trainer nor could you afford a gym membership at the time there are lots of things that can be done outside in the wilderness from hiking to walking to running to doing a whole bunch of other things that won't cost you any money Sorry? Rec centers. Yeah, rec centers are, are excellent as well. Okay, is there anything else that you want to talk about in the way that you manage? Sleep. Sleep ah, is huge. Ah. Um, routine. Sleep and structure. Um, I'll touch on those. Sleep is, oh my God, huge difference in my mood when I get my seven to eight hours. Huge difference when I get anything less than that. Even if I get nine hours, I'm. it's awesome. I need a lot of sleep as a person to function. I know everybody needs a different amount, but... When I, if you know what your amount of sleep is to function, I notice a huge difference in my mood. I, it's frustrating in the morning when you wake up. It's you are actually a little low, and things trigger you a lot easier. You should be getting your prescribed amount of sleep. I'd say of what you know what works with your body. For me, it's eight to nine hours, a hundred percent. I function best on that. I'm happy with that. And then, and my anxiety even too is huge. Completely different if I uh, if I get enough sleep. Structure. I've gone through different periods of not having any structure and having too much structure Mm -hmm. and having the perfect amount of structure. Not enough structure will slide you right into depression. You need to be waking up around the same time every day, going to bed around the same time every night. It helps sync with your medication, um, which all kind of blends in together and goes along with how much sleep you get every night. It all kind of blends into one thing. Structure as well of making sure you're eating same time, same meals every day. keeps everything just working properly. Um, I could go into all the scientific stuff about why it is that's good for your body to eat at the same time every day and basically, anyway. So that's um, what's the best you ever That's felt the best I ever felt, yeah, 100%. So I, and it'll always be a challenge, like you can't, they're going to have slip-ups and I'm 
just getting back on track now after my couple months of completely falling off the wagon. But getting back to a structure has been amazing for me again, even though the hours are hard, they're slowing down a little bit now, which is nice, but having the structure, I'm 10 times happier and 10 times less low uh, than I am when I have no structure. And having no structure means depression. That's all I can say to that. Mm -hmm. um, and having structure just means happy. So mm -hmm. have structure. Okay. Okay. Well, that's uh, great. Anything else you can think of that would be sleep was huge. And that's one of the things that, uh, if it is that Christine is uh, going through different things in her life, then one of the things that you'll hear me say, even on a weekend, which is really hard for a young person, I'll say, you know, 20, what time? 20 -year -old. It's hard for 20-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. That I say, you know, when was it that you got to sleep last night? Well, I was at a party. And you know what? They need to be able to go and socialize and go do regular stuff. They need to go and have a party with their friends and not drink too much and certainly never do any drugs because that's, uh, that's a trigger beyond belief. But, you know, if they're going to go out with their friends till 1 o'clock in the morning, I know full well she's not going to feel the greatest the next day. And not because perhaps she overdrank but because her whole day is is shot from trying to make up for the fact that she either lost the two hours sleep or everything's a little bit awry for the rest of the next day. So that that's that's difficult, and it's difficult as a parent because you feel like you don't want to nag. The last thing you want to do is nag. I always try and keep Christina doing her own thing because she's very good at it, but there are times that you kind of say, oh, you know, you're having a hard day. Are you okay? Well, what time did you go to bed last night? So you kind of do that. As far as the structure is concerned, yeah, wow, that's gigantic, which means that we really need, as parents, to try and structure everything in the house. Everything in the house, there's a wake-up time, there's a bedtime, there's a dinner time. They know what to expect. If it is that you're going to tell them something, be good to your word. Don't say that you're going to do something and then not do it. Trigger. And it starts... Hmm? Trigger. Yeah. It starts from uh, what time you're going to eat to whether it is that you were going to go grocery shopping to so that they can make their meals all the way through to, you know, well, we're going to do this this weekend uh, as a family. You really have to be even more solid than you would have been as a parent in uh, keeping structure for... I just want to touch on two more things my mom said. The drinking. If you're in your early 20s or even early 30s, don't over-drink and don't drink hard liquor. That's the best advice I can give you. I had to test this all out myself, and it was awful. I really do monitor how much I do consume alcohol, whether it be a couple beers or two glasses of wine or whatever, but I do have my limit, and I try to stay within it. The next other thing I just wanted to talk about is being organized. It goes along with structure, mm -hmm. having your room clean. I know my mom and I <laughs> battle with that a lot. I'm working really long hours right now, so it's been hard to keep it clean. But uh, the cleaner space you have, the cleaner mind you'll have. Less anxiety, less stress. Just put everything away where it goes, and then you don't have to stress out about it and go, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. I have to clean this big, messy room. Uh, what am I going to do? Or the kitchen's a mess. I have to clean the kitchen. There's a lot of ways just to make sure you can avoid that trigger by just keeping everything in its place. Okay, Chrissy, thank you so much for all your help today. Really appreciate it. Uh, I know the parents will appreciate having a different perspective than they can possibly have by having somebody who's going through it be uh, right right there uh, helping them along by sharing sharing their story. And once again, you know, I, I understand how uh, courageous this is and how much courage it takes to be this raw and this honest about everything. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, what's that? Quote. 
Yes. Well, I found something okay. here that I, I'm going to, sh this will be my share this time. It was something uh, on Facebook that I found the other day, and it's from Bring Change to Mind. The two is a number two, and this is the organization that was started by Glenn Klaus and her uh, sister, who is bipolar, and uh, the sister has a son that is not only bipolar, but also schizophrenic. But Glenn Klaus uh, started this organization that is really seems to be catching some uh, great traction, and I wanted to leave you with a quote from there, but I also wanted to encourage you to find them on Facebook and follow them. Uh, they have, they're not just for bipolars, but for mentally ill generally, to try and stop stigma, the mentally, the mentally ill, and I, I think their posts are fantastic. So this is from Bring Change to Mind, and it goes something like this. When you find someone isolating, perhaps yourself, reach out, share your story, listen without judgment, ask for help, connect with empathy and compassion, stay afloat with the BC2M, which is the Bring Change to Mind community, and let's have a stigma-free summer. So that is their message, and that's what I'd like to close with. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And please review our podcast on iTunes. This will help us spread our message. We've got a book on Amazon of all of these interviews. Please don't forget to follow Different From The Other Kids on Facebook and Twitter. We'll see you next week. And now a disclaimer. In general, I, Angela Sunis, am not a doctor, and I certainly don't play one on the internet. I am not even that well educated. I'm a parent, period. The advice from me presented on Different From The Other Kids does not replace advice received directly from a medical health professional. If you think you need help, I do recommend making an appointment with your physician or other appropriate healthcare provider. Thanks for listening to Different From The Other Kids, made possible with the support of Regal Junction, your connection to quality and stylish premium pet products. You can find them online at www.regaljunction.ca. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Different from the other kids. Season 1. A production of Marketing Maven.